Welcome to Bridging the Gap. I'm your host, Marianne Rose. You are about to embark on a relevant and timely journey of thought with registered psychologist, Dr. Cyrus Dirksen. Thank you for tuning in and expect to be enlightened right now. Hey there, Cyrus. It's so good to see you. Good to see you too, Marianne. Yes, last time we were not in person, so if you mm. listened last week, you would have heard a bit of a different sound for mm. what recording is like over the phone, mm-hmm. but we made it work, and now we get to be in person again, and I'm thankful for those times, because the three-dimensional world mm-hmm. is a very special one. It's very unique to the Zoom call world. Yeah. I think a lot of people out there can relate to... Well, I think it's different for different people. Some people really relate emotionally. They feel connected after Zoom, and some people really don't. And so there is something different about being in person, and it's really nice. Yes, and I know that it's going to get even more like that, and that's what our show is about today. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about post-COVID stress disorder. (laughs) Oh, yes, another disorder. Yes, post-COVID stress disorder. Uh, What a nice title. The stress we have after COVID, right? After COVID, will we still be stressed? Yes. And the answer is yes. (laughs) The answer is yes, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it's hard. It's going to be hard for people. I mean, we've been looking forward to it for so long, to the post-COVID reality. I think it is going to be stressful for people to come back to normal or the new normal. The new normal. That's been a thing people are saying is let's do it better. Mm. What we had before, there's been so much change in the world. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There have been so many demands on our government for change and our society for change. And it's been awesome Mm -hmm. and frightening and pushing for advancements like we've never seen before in the world of mental Mm -hmm. health. Mm -hmm. And we want to see people get better and treat each other better. In the midst of that, there's been a lot of anger. Yes, there has been. There's been a lot of anger, and I feel like the United States is a little ahead of us on their journey into the post-COVID reality, and you can see people reacting as restrictions lift. You see them experiencing anger, experiencing anxiety, which often go together. Anxiety and anger are cousins. They go together often when people are very anxious. They often will get angry at the people or at the forces that are causing them anxiety. In this case, if a government says, you know, you don't have to wear masks anymore, well, people can get anxious about that and then hence angry at the government about it and angry in general when they see people who are not doing the restrictions that they feel are going to keep them safe. So yes, the adjustment back. Will we ever handshake again? Yes. You know, will that come back? Will people ever feel comfortable with less than six feet distance. You know, it's interesting, different cultures have different distances that they stand apart when they're talking. So like uh, people from different places have a different social bubble around themselves to feel comfortable. And it depends on your relationship. If you're in a romantic relationship, people will stand closer together, for example. I guess what I'm wondering is, has COVID adjusted our social bubble and will that continue? So after COVID, even after maybe two or three years after COVID, if they were to measure the social, like how far people are standing apart in 2019 versus 2024, I wonder if it will have been adjusted. Yes, I imagine it will be. This has been a training Mm -hmm. for us. We've been training ourselves to be distant from people and going into a grocery store and 
coming across somebody's path and taking four steps back and <laughs> trying to mentally measure six feet. <laughs> I remember the first time we took our kids out to the park when COVID had started. We were walking past somebody in the park and we're like, remember, you got to stay six feet apart. And our, our son turned and saw somebody close to him and he screamed and ran. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> and it's just like that adjustment, right? You know, yes. like those things have changed people yeah. as they've experienced uh, anxiety, that experience of needing to be apart. Inner screaming and running. <laughs> I think that that is happening en masse. Yeah. People feeling this sudden shock about the distance <laughs> and the feeling of needing to be away. Yeah. It's some kind of a new fear. Mm. And I would like to be able to discuss how we can enter into society again after isolation and deal with those fears, deal with the anxiety and the panic, the sudden runaway mm. feeling mm -hmm. of being around people. Mm -hmm. It's a good question. I mean, I remember in summer of 2020 being asked a number of times about the adjustment into these restrictions. What will people do at school when they have to wear masks? Will the kids wear the masks? And that was a huge adjustment and had mental health consequences. And what I saw and what I still see now is that when people come into my office and we are permitted to take off our masks when we're six feet apart in a closed room seated, which has been our instructions at different points, the response is different and it has been noticeably different from young people. Young people don't seem more anxious about it, but they're much more, no, I'll just leave my mask on. They have more fully adjusted to wearing masks than any other group that I've seen in my sessions. The young people seem to adjust more quickly. And I was telling people back then, it's like, well, people will adjust. When you are exposed to something, you know, will people ever feel comfortable going outside knowing that there's COVID? It's like, well, if people go outside, they will become more adjusted. And I believe that for the vast majority, going back to wearing non-masks will be something that will cause a feeling of discomfort, but people will adjust back to it. People will go back to getting more comfortable with not wearing masks and things like that. However, for some, that adjustment is going to be a problem. They probably will continue to wear masks. And mm -hmm. I think we may have more of an ongoing mask-wearing society mm -hmm. than mm -hmm. we've had before, where it's going to become people's preference mm -hmm. and that there are already only a small percentage of germaphobes but there's going to be a larger percentage now <laughs> yes yes people's anxiety about germs was a percentage you're right before and there was people with obsessive compulsive disorder or different ways of categorizing that fear yes and now it probably will have increased mm -hmm. with everything that's happened yeah exactly I think that that's something that we need to be able to embrace. Mm. There's a certain part about life where we feel like, oh, this is so crazy. This is so difficult. This is so awful. And we can rather reframe mm. those mm -hmm. feelings that we can say, oh, this is maybe funny. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Check yeah. it out. Mm -hmm. Look at the weirdness mm -hmm. in a funny way and not be mm -hmm. offended mm. because of it. Yeah, I think that it's going to be challenging socially, right? Because these are huge consequences. And for people, when they're feeling these anxieties, when they're feeling these threats, the threat is life and death. Now, you might say, well, the threat is life and death. So that's why people are reacting so strongly. And that does make some sense. If I feel like you're doing something that's going to kill my parents because my parents are in a vulnerable age group, and I feel that strongly, yes, you can understand why people have then a strong emotional reaction. However, that's not the whole story because there's things that are life and death that have life and death consequences 
that people don't respond strongly to all the time, and particularly around driving. The kinds of driving behaviors that are out there, you know, people will get upset about those things, but they are more accustomed to them. They have habituated themselves to driving hundreds of kilometers down the road with somebody driving 100 kilometers an hour down the road in the opposite direction, passing six inches from each other on the highway, and people are accustomed to that. And so it's not always about the actual level of threat in your life. It's actually about what you've become accustomed to. So this is an unaccustomed threat. So now when people are asked to come away from that and be comfortable with this, it's going to take some time. Mm-hmm. We've become accustomed to driving, but that took a long time or it took some time. And this will take time as well. Yeah, I agree. I think that we need to be patient, mm-hmm. patient with ourselves. Mm. When we are going out of the house, step mm. one, mm-hmm. we now are entering into the unknown. Help, I'm stepping into the twilight zone. <laughs> <laughs> it is different, you know. When you go into the unknown, it's anxiety provoking. And honestly, what's causing people trouble is the fact that their body has learned to survive well. The government has been trying for a year now to teach people to protect themselves with all these precautions, and people have learned it. And one of the ways I explain post-traumatic stress disorder is to say you learned something that was extremely helpful that's no longer helpful. So like in a war, there's a bomb that goes off and you learn to hit the ground and become very aware of your surroundings all the time. And then you come back to North America, being that aware of your surroundings wastes your energy because it's not as threatening an environment. And when you're in the Staples parking lot and the car backfires and you hit the ground and everybody's looking at you, it's not as adaptive because it's not a bomb. But it's something that was extremely useful to you and your nervous system learned very well because of the enormous consequences. And now you are asking your nervous system to unlearn it. And that's what's challenging. We're not trying to get rid of something that was horrible. We're trying to get rid of something that was helpful. And you can't be mad at your body about this. I mean, it can be frustrating. Don't get me wrong. You're allowed to have your feelings. But your body was doing its job. It was learning something that was helpful. And the more stressful it is when you learn, the harder it is to unlearn. And for some people, this has been extremely stressful. Yes. Yeah. So to ask them to just unlearn these things, it's going to take a while for their nervous system to unkink itself and to figure this out again. I agree. I look forward to understanding about that too, is going through some of the processes of unkinking. (laughs) I like that expression. So why don't we take a little break and talk about how we can unkink ourselves when we get back. Hey there, we're back and we are talking about post-COVID stress disorder which is a reality and it's going to be a reality as we start stepping out of the restrictions that we've been Mm -hmm. having for Mm -hmm. over a year. Mm -hmm. And one of the goals that I have in our conversation today, Cyrus, is to be able to reframe the anxiety and the anger and the panicked feeling about being out in public, about stepping out of their homes, Mm -hmm. reframe it and take on an attitude of peace that they can have inner peace so this quote i saw was really cool if it costs you your peace it's too expensive (laughs) yes that's such a good quote if it costs you your peace it's too expensive and i think that when people are working on their peace when people are working on feeling comfortable again i think that 
One of the biggest things that people can do to cope with post-COVID stress disorder is to take risks. And I think where this quote comes in is it needs to be manageable. It needs to be something that you can be patient with, that you can be comfortable with, and that is difficult. It is a risk that you're taking. It's a feeling of discomfort that you're stepping into, but it's not too heavy. It's not something that's going to overwhelm you. And so, for example, if you have anxiety about going out, let's say you're just anxious about going out of your house, like let's say it's that severe, maybe you go into your backyard, maybe that's a first step. And then you take that risk of breathing outdoor air. And then the next step might be to go to your front yard. And the next step might be to walk around your block or things like that. You're taking these small steps because what you're doing is you're building trust in the world. And in order to build trust, you need two things. You need one, to take a risk. And two, you need things to work out. <laughs> and So in this case, you go into your backyard and you come back and it's like, you don't have COVID. Like that's kind of what needs to happen, <laughs> you know. So unfortunately, if you go into your backyard and you do get COVID, yeah, it's going to be hard. It's going to be harder to trust the world. But yes, these would be the steps that you need to take. And that's one of the most concrete, fundamental, I mean, it's not 100%, it doesn't work for everybody with trauma, but it's the easiest to understand and works for the most people out there is just to take small steps into the thing that your trauma is stopping you from doing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like living in the country, growing up in the country, and then all of a sudden getting on a flight to go to Florida to go to Disney World. <laughs> yes. And then all of a sudden you go into Disney World and there are thousands of people and it's sensory overload. <laughs> it's just a lot. <laughs> yep. So I'm thinking that maybe it's a little bit like that. Step out in the country and go to the grocery mart mm-hmm. and come back home. Yeah. And so we used to do this where we'd hit 10 stores in a day Mm -hmm. and go out to eat Mm -hmm. and come back and drop. Mm -hmm. And now it's probably going to be half a store (laughs) and come back and drop. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to have to be a little bit slower. Yeah. Move at a slower, more easy pace. Oh, this is actually something I like about it is kind of like going back to the pioneer days. (laughs) Going to get a horse. Yeah. And a saddle and a cowboy hat. And so, but I actually picture it like that. (laughs) It's just back to that peaceful, easy feeling and slower living and embracing that idea a little bit. That's a Mm -hmm. fun thought that I have about it. I hope it's fun. One of the number one things that gets in the way of people overcoming PTSD is a two-step process. One, they don't take the risk. They all stay in their house. That's the number one thing. Avoidance creates anxiety and maintains it. And the other thing is they get frustrated with themselves at the gradual process. They don't like the acknowledgement that they have a problem. And when they take gradual steps, it highlights the fact that they have a problem and that they're human and that they have to go through a process and they don't like that. So what they'll do often is they'll avoid, they'll stay at home, and then they'll go out to all the malls the next day or a month later thinking like, well, I stayed at home, so I should be better now. And then they go out and they do all these things and then they have a terrible nervous reaction and then they go back home, feel devastated and worthless that they can't do this, wait another two months and then try again. That's true. It is so true. It's hard for people to humble themselves and be like, I am made of organs, I am made of human tissue that needs to be coaxed into this like a child potentially you know like I need to kind of gradually allow my nervous system to get used to that you have to be permissive of your body to kind of go through that process and that's difficult because we don't want to think of ourselves that way we want to think of ourselves as capable and strong and so we just want to not think about it fine I'm and then all of a sudden yes 
And then, unfortunately, that just creates this cycle that if people can't stop and do things gradually and be patient with themselves, that cycle can go on a very long time. What we want is to be able to have calm, have mm. peace, mm-hmm. and not be so frustrated and angry. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of people's encounter anyway, even on the smaller scale of being mm-hmm. out in public now mm-hmm. when we do have restrictions. For example, going into a store this one time and the tension in the clerk about maintaining order mm-hmm. was high. And mm-hmm. it was something that made me feel really concerned for her. And then I saw it again. Mm-hmm. And then I saw it again. Mm-hmm. Now I'm fairly used to seeing store personnel, management even, mm-hmm. feeling anxious and overly rigid. I walked into a store, somebody shouted at me and mm. said, you're not wearing a mask. <laughs> you're not wearing a mask. <laughs> okay, yes, I am. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's on. I got it on really fast. But even as I was stepping in, it was pretty interesting. So that's something that this hyper-vigilant, hyper-alert Mm -hmm. anxiety from people who are also in areas of authority, right? They want to make sure they're maintaining order. (laughs) I mean, what we're stepping into is a big therapy office. Like, it feels like everybody's coming to my office now because it's like the world looks like my office when I have PTSD clients in it. There's like this distrust of the world and odd responses. Like, when you enter into trauma, when you enter into really strong emotional responses, logic is there, but it takes a back seat. Mm -hmm. And so when people have anxiety, they almost no anxiety lines up with the actual risk of activities. People are more anxious often about flying than they are about driving. That's the classic example. You know, flying is less risky than driving and people are more anxious to fly. So these things, they don't line up. Like I remember I went into the lobby of a commercial building and there was nobody in the lobby. Like it was an enormous lobby. Let's say 5,000, 10,000 square feet. This is a huge skyscraper building and nobody's there. And I walk in and I go up the elevator and I go down and I'm with people in the elevator, you know, like very close to them in the elevator. And nobody says anything that's wrong with that. And then I'm leaving and there's nobody in this lobby and I start walking towards one of the door on one side. And they're like, no, no, you can't go out that door. And I'm like looking around. There's like, who said that? And it's like, oh, (laughs) that person at the desk, you know, 500 feet away from me is yelling at me to go through the different door. Because it's dangerous to go through one door where there's nobody. And I have to go through the other exit door where there's nobody. And I'm fine with the rules. I'm not saying that it's wrong to do those things. But I'm also saying that when you enter into strong emotional places and you have people, governments, administrators, and all of these things, and there's a lot of fear, logic can sometimes escape the room. And the emotions and the emotional decisions kind of take over. Yes, yes. And so that's humanity. Mm-hmm. And logic leaves the room. You can go in the <laughs> elevator and, and uh, somehow that's okay. But yes, you cannot exit the door. You know, yeah. So again, I'm not, I'm not really criticizing here. I'm just saying that it's something that's difficult for people is to go back to a place where you trust the world again and things actually can start to line up again mm-hmm. and hopefully become more logical. It's going to be anxiety-provoking for people to allow these norms to go. Interesting that you said hopefully it becomes more logical when I feel that logic and reason, that's not a lot of normal function Mm -hmm. in the world. (laughs) (laughs) More logical. (laughs) Not logical. I mean, let's just be careful with our goals. We don't want to be too disappointed, right? (laughs) The world is, you're right, the world does not make sense. 
uh, and we have to try to massage it back into a place where it's functional. And um, Functional, there. Maybe that's a better that's goal. That's a goal. <laughs> so often what we escape to when we're in psychology is like, well, I don't know, are you, are you able to sleep? We get to these functional things and they start to help us a little bit to figure out our goals. Because when you just talk about how much pain people are in, it becomes hard to assess. So yes, functional, if we can become functional again in a way that's working for people, I think that would be a good goal. And it's going to be challenging. And just being able to look at this new life, we're going to feel new. It's going to feel different. And just even knowing that, maybe knowing you're going to feel afraid mm-hmm. and knowing that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. knowing that you might feel anxious mm-hmm. and just knowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to be that way. And you're going to have to experience that and tolerate that long enough for your nervous system to learn something different. One of the primary symptoms of PTSD is just a lack of trust in the world. And in order to regain that trust, you're going to have to face these things. And you're going to have to find your peace again in doing them. You're going to have to do them and realize that nothing bad happened and that it's okay. I mean, we can try to logic ourselves a little bit and kind of say it's safe out there, it's safe out there, COVID's gone. But it's going to be hard for people because even though they know that it's safer and that this is now allowed, it's going to be emotional. Yes. And that's okay. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just love that it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be human. It's okay to feel stress. And when I speak about reframing this situation so that you can look towards peace, it's like something you receive for yourself is peace in a situation. So, for example, let's say it's not necessarily about being out in public, but you're on a phone call with the hydro company or Mm -hmm. (laughs) something that has to do with bills Mm -hmm. and that is often a stressful situation for people and they're feeling away and then is it worth your joy leaving you Mm. is it worth your peace leaving you to allow yourself to feel aggravated Mm. so allowing a feeling Mm -hmm. is something that we're going to do we're going to have the feeling so we have to be okay mm-hmm. not to be okay we have to understand we're going to feel anxious we're going to maybe feel angry maybe feel panicked maybe feel fearful but to be able to bring yourself back to a space even in the midst of a moment where you could mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. lash out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to rather choose mm-hmm. peace because oh this feeling isn't worth it yeah. the outcome is definitely not going to be worth it because it's just going to create more conflict. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that that's going to be happening for a lot of people. You're going to have a feeling that you don't necessarily agree with. And then how do you not respond to that and instead have a different response and eventually have a different feeling? And I think one of the main ways that people do this is by becoming aware of it in the sense that I can be angry and then somebody says, you're angry. I'm like, no, I'm not. And it's like, well... Okay, maybe I am. Actually, you can be anger, you can be anxiety. And the next step would be to go to, oh, I'm noticing that I'm having an angry feeling right now. I'm noticing that I'm having an anxious feeling. Isn't that interesting that I'm anxious right now? So that would be the next step, is to be able to be mindful of it, to be aware of it, that it's happening to you. And then the next step is an emotional response to that feeling. I notice that I'm feeling anxious right now. Okay, I got step one. Now step two is... I'm okay with that. I'm not angry with myself for having that feeling. And you can look at yourself, and often I'm working on people in order to be patient with themselves, and it's like, okay, have a nice tone towards yourself. Like, oh, you're anxious right now. That's okay. This is something new for you. It's okay to be anxious right now. You're probably going to be anxious about this for a little while. I mean, you are a human being. You have these nerves. 
and they're just going to be a little bit reactive for a while. Give it some time and they're going to figure themselves out and let's just watch it to make sure it doesn't get too strong and we're going to be okay. Rather than the voice of like, why are you so anxious right now? You never have the right feeling. You're always unhealthy. You're always dramatic. You're just like your mom said, you know, or whatever that voice is. How do you be kind to yourself as you go through this process of learning how to be in a new world again? I love it. Mm -hmm. I love it. Mm -hmm. And so speaking to yourself in a gentle tone, even mm -hmm. about something that you would normally beat yourself up over, mm -hmm. and then you can step into that next mm -hmm. place yeah. where you enter into peace. Peace, yes. If you want to have peace in a new space, you often have to walk in and start with anxiety. If you want to create peace, if you want to create peace in a place where there is no peace, you have to be able to bring yourself into that and then work it out. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to work it out and, and allow yourself to kind of be like, oh yeah, this is going to be interesting, this is going to be different, this is going to be tough, and I'm going to allow my emotions to react, but I'm going to trust that these are also going to dissipate over time. Yes. Oh, I agree. Mm -hmm. Well, I really feel happy about this conversation and I'm excited about helping people, mm -hmm. especially through this time ahead, mm -hmm. breaking free. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I hope that people don't have too much post-COVID stress disorder and I think that we're going to make it through and I think we're going to also see other people being okay and it's really going to help. We're yes. going to get through it together. We are going to get through it together. Mm -hmm. And so thank you so much for listening today, everyone. Have a great rest of the day. Well, that was an honor to get to spend that time with you. Appreciate you tuning in. Please check out more of Dr. Cyrus at maplecrestchurch.ca and at drcyrusdirksen.com. Thanks again, and tune in next time for Bridging the Gap. I'm Marianne Rose. Hate song